0: Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. If you're one of the many people across the world who don't like getting a jab with a needle for an injection or a blood test, well, microneedle patches may be the thing for you. And we find out two ways microneedle patches can be helping improve people's lives across the world in almost everyday occurrences. Most people dread getting an injection or a blood test, mostly because even if you're not deathly afraid of needles, it's still not an altogether comfortable experience. Having a flu shot or a blood test can be very, very beneficial for your health, but it's often annoying and difficult. And if you have a small child, getting the vaccinations, getting them to sit still for them is a huge problem. Now, there are other ways of delivering medicine and drugs into your system. And doctors and scientists have been looking at these for many, many years. Obviously, we have oral medications, we have nasal medications, uh, vapor-based medications. There's a lot of different ways of doing it, but the problem is you need to find one that best suits the type delivery agent. Some are better suited to some tasks than others. For example, if you're trying to deliver a certain type of painkiller, it may not dissolve through the skin, it may not be ingested as easily as going another way. That's one of the reasons why IVs are very useful. But there's been an idea floating around in medicine since the 1970s, and these are the micro-needle patches. Basically, they work by having a whole set of very, very small needles that pierce the top layer of the skin to deliver medicine or some kind of stimulant straight into your system directly. And to an extent, the patches that you've seen, anti-smoking patches, are an example of this. Now, when we think about the skin, it's actually divided into three major layers, not just one conglomerate mass. There's the epidermis, the dermis and the hypodermis. On top of all these the skin is a thick barrier called the stratum corneum and basically it's about 10 to 20 microns thick and the purpose of this is to keep everything out of getting into your bloodstream and this barrier is amazing to protect you from uh, all kinds of objects getting into and messing up all of your organs. But just like the stratum corneum is blocking things from coming in and going out, it also makes it hard to deliver medicine directly through the skin. So the first ideas for a microneedle system was developed in the 1970s as a patent by Van Der Woert and Ludwig. Actually, the first one was made all the way many, many years later in 1998 by a group led by Henry. And they used silicon microneedles to deliver the patches of medicine. Nowadays, patches are very, very commonplace for everything from nicotine patches to help people quit smoking. And there's been ways to look at this, what they call transdermal through the skin drug delivery to improve it, to not use it for other areas, not just nicotine patches for smoke, anti-smoking work, but also for things like flu shots and other medications. Now, one of the big challenge is that, well, the skin itself, uh, it blocks stuff coming through and will react with different ways to drugs and things trying to come through and project through it. But basically you're trying to pass through all these layers without actually wasting or using up all the thing you're trying to get into the bloodstream to get to an affected area. So it's actually a very, very complicated challenge, which is why microneedles help, because at least they puncture a little bit and get the, get the key stuff through the tough barriers and it can get into your bloodstream more easily. Now that barrier that protects you also makes it difficult. And more recent research has been focused around what kinds of proteins, peptides, or other key reacting medicines we can give you, or maybe even some nanoparticles. But I'm gonna focus out two stories first here this week that look at new ways of turning something which is otherwise a traditional method of medicine delivery that we have, and making it work with these transdermal patches. So the first example of a microneedle patch actually being used to help make people's lives easier is actually making one of the most common injections given uh, by mass public policy initiatives and that is influenza vaccines every year people can receive either free or subsidized from the governments in places like Australia and the UK or healthcare workers especially are almost mandated to get them influenza vaccines and we have to do it each year because the flu virus itself actually evolves each season And if you hate needles, getting a flu jab is not exactly fun for you. And that's where some research, which is a collaboration between Emory University and Georgia Institute of Technology, have found a way to develop a microneedle patch that dissolves, that can actually be used to safely deliver an effective influenza vaccine. And this work was published in the journal Lancet, which is one of the most prestigious medical journals, uh, in mid-June 2017. And the work was led by Nadine Raphael, who's an associate professor of medicine in collaboration with Mark J. Mulligan, who is also a distinguished professor of medicine at Emory University School of Medicine. And they worked with a team of researchers from the Chemical and Biomedical Engineering Group at George Institute of Technology to actually figure out how to make this work technically. Now, the patch itself consists of 100 solid but water-soluble needles, and these are just long enough to penetrate the skin. So they're not very big, and there's a lot of them in the small patch itself. And since the skin is, as we said, a huge barrier that blocks anything from getting in, we actually need to puncture it in a pretty comprehensive way to actually deliver our medicine in this case. So what we're trying to do is bypass what is otherwise the pathogen defense unit in your immune response system that would otherwise kill this incoming invader, even though it's actually there to try and help you. Now the adhesive is important because it actually helps the patch grip the skin during the administration of the vaccine. If you think about it this way, uh, coming back to Newton's laws, for each action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the needles pushing down into your skin will also push themselves back up. So you need the adhesive to hold the needles in place to actually make sure they puncture your dermis. And the needle itself as dissolves as part of the delivery of the vaccine. So the needle tip itself just dissolves and leaves no marks in your skin. Then the patch can just be peeled away and discarded like a bandaged strip. And because the needles are so small and there's so many of them, it doesn't actually leave any sort of permanent mark or hurt in any particular way. Now for this study, They actually took a hundred participants and four random groups with vaccination with microneedle patch, vaccination with a self-administered patch, vaccination with a a traditional uh, injection method and a placebo microneedle patch. And the idea here was to test in a variety of different ways. Did you need an actual healthcare professional to administer the patch of the vaccine or could you do it yourself? Or did the patch even work? If you gave a placebo, would it have the same effect? And plus they compared all of that to just regular vaccine injections. And what they found is that the microneedle patches were safe. There were no serious or adverse reactions. Some people developed a local skin reaction to the patches' adhesives, some faint redness or mild itching that really only lasted two or three days. But compared to a large bruise from an injection or a blood test, it's not that bad. Now, the important part is that the antibody responses generated by the vaccine, so if the vaccine was being effective or not, was pretty consistent. Uh, across all of the patch recipients and it lasted even after six months which suggests that the patch doesn't delay the effectiveness of the vaccine makes it really effective for a short period of time and then drops off it lasted for a pretty good period of time and most people who actually had the patch much prefer that to uh, actually receiving the jab with the needle which makes sense it's a lot more simple to deliver means you could do it yourself and it means you don't have to get a jab with a needle now the interesting part here is the people who self-administered had just the same effectiveness as those administered by a healthcare professional. And why that's important is for a public health type of vaccine, like the flu vaccine, actually booking and finding the time to go and get your flu injection from your doctor or make an appointment with your nurse or stand in a long queue in the line at your business or company workplace where they book in a nurse to come and do all the injections for the company, that still takes a lot of time to go through all of that. If we can actually self-administer, it makes it much more convenient and much easier. Plus, it's a lot less painful. All those three things combined make for something like a flu vaccine, delivery with a micro-needle patch, immensely attractive. Now, the cost of these things, I mean, we're still in prototype stage here, but the interesting part is that the it's possible to get the cost to be pretty much the same as putting a vaccine in a syringe that we have to do anyway for a normal vaccine delivery. So there's no real cost difference here. And the vaccines remain potent in the patch without refrigeration for at least one year. And that's pretty incredible because comparing that to a normal vaccine, which you may often have to refrigerate or keep controlled, it makes it a lot more interesting and easy to deliver across an area. Now, this is a pretty exciting, piece of research it involves some pretty cool technology and a pretty smart use of an existing vaccine mix. Now how long until they start being widespread it takes a little time and we might be able to use the same technology for other things we have vaccines for such as measles, rubella and polio but if we have now a really cheap, low cost and pretty painless way of delivering vaccines that makes life for everyone a lot better and removes the need for getting that little jab of the needle. So this is some great work being done at Georgia Institute of Technology and Emory University in the United States. If you have diabetes, like a growing portion of the world's population, you pretty carefully monitor your insulin levels. And this might be through a small pinprick uh, blood test to check what your current levels are. Or maybe you have one of the units that automatically pokes you and gets the measurements for you. And then maybe you also need to inject yourself with insulin to top yourself up to bring you to the necessary level. And that is, well, not just time-consuming, frustrating, annoying, but also can be a bit painful. And if you don't like needles and you're diabetic, life is very tough, indeed. But fortunately, a team of researchers with the National Institute of Health, National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering, the Nibib, have developed a great new way to deliver insulin for people who are diabetic, particularly type 2 diabetic, in a same way as a microneedle patch. And the more important part of this is that it would adjust and deliver the correct based on uh, the the blood chemistry that it receives at the same time. So do the sample and then deliver the insulin. So to combine the two step process into one and to make that into a patch. So let's take a step back and talk a bit about what's going on here. Insulin is a hormone made in the pancreas and it's secreted into the bloodstream and its job is to regulate our glucose, our blood sugar levels inside of our body. And basically, by being there, it helps move the glucose from the bloodstream into the cells in your body where it can be converted to energy or stored. Now, if you're type 1 diabetic, usually diagnosed in children and young adults, your body doesn't make any insulin at all, which is terrible and you need to basically be pretty much on top of giving yourself safe levels of insulin at all the times. In type 2 diabetics, which can happen at any age really, but more commonly developed as an adult your body progressively lessens its ability to make insulin. And if untreated, it can result in huge vascular, nerve damage, depleting impact on the eyes, feet, kidneys, you name it, and even the heart. And there's about 285 million people across the world who have diabetes. and 90% of those have type 2 diabetes. And most of them will require some form of insulin therapy. As you're given, it's an injection just under the skin, Uh, with some calculated amount, some dose that you need to have based on a measurement. Now, these researchers at the National Institute Biomedical Imaging Group, led by Zhaoxian Shen, who is a senior investigator at the Laboratory of Molecular Imaging and Nanomedicine, came up with an alternate therapy approach, and they did a proof-of-concept study for it. And the idea is to help regulate type 2 diabetes using a painless skin patch and this was published in nature communications in november 2017 where they used this proof of concept patch on mice to demonstrate its potential effectiveness now the base of this patch is made of alginate which is a gum-like substance extracted from brown algae something we can grow pretty quickly and cheaply you then mix in the therapeutic agents and pour it into a micro needle shape and form Then you build it all up in a structure, a matrix, to make the patch. Now, alginate is a pliable material. It's soft, but not too soft, because we need to poke through the dermis, your big, tough, strong, 20 micron thick barrier that protects your body from getting filled with all sorts of gunk and preventing stuff getting out. Now, alginate isn't often used for needles, but it seems to work well, at least in the small trials that they did. They infuse the alginate with a form of their biochemical particles that stimulates the body's own insulin production when needed and curtails that stimulation when normal blood sugar levels are reached. So basically, instead of injecting insulin, it's just boosting the body's production of insulin appropriately going for the source rather than just trying to top up the overall level. And by doing it that way, you can actually make it a lot smarter. You can make it manage itself and help it manage itself rather than you, the human, trying to do the calculation for what's going on inside your body. Now, inside this formula, which is they're trying to find one that's long acting because since it's such a large area of research and a huge problem globally, a lot of people are trying to develop new and better ways to treat diabetes, which is good and important. Um, This group of researchers look at two drug compounds, specifically exodin-4 and glucose oxidase, and it puts those into the one patch. These two compounds react with the blood chemistry to trigger to make your body produce insulin. Each of those is matched with a phosphate mineral particle, which basically stabilizes this compound until it's needed. So when your body blood sugar is at a pretty high level, then that, that will okay. It will weaken this bond that's holding these things together. But when you get to a low level, the bond will break and release the two compounds to trigger the insulin stimulation. So it's a pretty clever piece of biochemistry. And these these chemicals are actually very similar to what your body's doing anyway when it's trying to regulate insulin levels. Now, the reason why you need two is that the X and 4 part is pretty much the same as what your intestines use to regulate insulin levels in your body already. But you need the glucose oxidase there sort of hold the process in place to make sure it stabilizes it, to keep it occurring only when you need it. Basically, the glucose oxidase and the phosphate bonding agent hold everything back until the right moment, just when you need it. Basically, when your blood sugar is elevated to a point beyond a tipping point, it will trigger the breakdown of that bond because the blood sugar at that point makes your blood very acidic, it will melt that bond and release the Exodin-4 out to do its job and regulate your blood sugar levels and drop them back to healthy, safe levels. Now, if you have a patch like that, that's about half an inch square, so a couple of centimeters wide, you are sufficiently able to control blood sugar levels when they did that in mice for a week. So that is pretty amazing when you think about it. It's not releasing it all the time. It's not a one and done injection like you have with a flu shot. It's just happening long-term monitoring Not monitoring but actively releasing the agent into your body and then drawing out more and more and more when it's needed now this is only a myspace proof proof of concept trial not a real thing so if you're diabetic particularly type 2 diabetic this is not going to help you immediately but it does show the way forward of microneedle patches trying to make your life easier particularly if you're one of the many people across the world who are diabetic Especially those who don't like needles, but even just anyone in general, because it means the dosing frequency is much less and it's more actively managed and it's not invasive. Pretty low cost too. There's some great research done by the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point whether it be a microneedle patch to safely and efficiently deliver flu vaccines to the masses, and new microneedle patches developed to help regulate insulin levels in type 2 diabetics. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.